Hello and welcome to The Independent Minds, a series of conversations between Abbasida and people who think outside the box about how work works with the aim of creating better workplace experiences for everyone. I am your host, Michael Millward, Managing Director of Abbasida. In this episode of The Independent Minds, I am joined by Stuart Bolton from Make an Entrance. Hello, Stuart. Hello, how are you? I am extremely well, thank you very much. I hope you can say the same. I can, and as they already told you, you have the most fantastic voice. That's why I'm doing this job. That's <laughs> true. <laughs> Stuart, thank you. Because it's not something I practiced type of thing, but uh, thank you very much. I think I told you that when we first met on the scrutiny body of FSB, didn't I? Yes. I said to you, we have the most amazing voice compared to my Essex accent. And I have to say, there's nothing wrong with an Essex there accent. There is not. But... Yours is considerably classier than Thank you very much. Thank you. That is because I am from Yorkshire, (laughs) but you are correct. We are both members of the Federation of Small Businesses, sometimes called FSB, um, scrutiny body. So we scrutinize on behalf of FSB members, the activities and decisions of the board. There will be a link to the FSB in the description. So if anybody wants to find out more information about what we do, and our roles there. Thank you very much for mentioning that, Stuart. It's a fantastic organisation, what can I say? You do agree, don't you? Purely because of the scrutiny body. Of course. (laughs) Of course, of the quality of the scrutiny body as well. This is true. This is true. (laughs) That's enough about me and the FSB. You work for a company called Make an Entrance. Indeed. So now, Stuart, this is your opportunity. Make an Entrance. Tell us about Stuart Bolton and what Make an Entrance is. Well, make an entrance, right? If you say who we are now, we are very different from what we are before and we're going to be very different where we are in the future. So as of now, we are a manufacturer of entrance matting. So that's logo mats for companies or it might be entrance mats for people's homes. So we specialise especially in coconut, which is coir doormats made to measure for people's homes. And also in particular, we make a very specific uh, traditional hand-stitched coir mats. Our craftspeople do in our workshops using the same techniques that have been passed down for generations. We're the only company in the UK that still actually manufactures those very traditional mats for people's homes and for like the National Trusts and things like that. So that's sort of who we are now. And we sell through online. So we have makeanentrance.com, coimats.co.uk and various other online companies that we sell direct to companies or um, directly to the general public as well. So that's sort of our business model as it is now. Well, we will put links to those websites in the in the description as well. Very kind. No problem at all. But that's not what you were originally, is it? No, certainly not. You weren't originally a manufacturer of doormats. Correct. Yeah, that's correct. We've only been manufacturing now for four years. Uh, Make an Entrance has been around in some form or other from about 2012. So in about 2012 through to about 2018, we were just a sales and marketing company. Essentially, we were an online company selling entrance mats. Our business model was as a web company. We would sell these mats to, again, general public or logo mats to companies. 
but we were just online and uh, we had a very small office and we had companies that were subcontracted to actually send out the orders on our behalf. Um, so we had about four or five different companies around the UK that used to manufacture the goods on our behalf and actually send them out. So a very, bi- very, very different business model from, as I said, about 2012, when we started to take the Make an Entrance company really seriously to 2018 online because that is our background as directors myself and my wife Samantha who is a she's an inspirational female entrepreneur to be honest she's won a a whole stack of awards for women in business and promoting women in business uh, in the UK and overseas she's really the inspirational person behind the whole company and it was it's from her that that make an entrance came about and our background is in online companies so we were doing very nicely out of that for six seven years until 2018 and that's when we um we took the quite unusual step which people don't generally do in the uk of going from online to becoming a manufacturer well when you told me what you'd done I was thinking like that's a that's not unusual that's just strange virgin gone weird because most, it is. <laughs> most organizations, if you think about manufacturing and you're manufacturing of something like a doormat, all the advice thinking would be, well, find someone in Asia who's going to manufacture that for you. You've gone local and you've gone craft. We, I mean, we had a decision to make back in 2018. And you're quite right. If you look at it just as an overall, I mean, our decision was a business decision because at that time, there were uh, two of our subcontractors that actually got taken over uh, by another company. And they essentially got bought for their factory, for their warehouses, for what was essentially a, a slightly different business to what they were running. But we saw the writing on the wall and we said to ourselves, well, these people aren't going to be able to make and just and drop ship our products for us in the future. So we were uncertain about that, even though we were given uh, good vibes about it. We were uncertain about that. Then at the same time, the company that made our traditional mats were saying to us they didn't really want to be doing that anymore. And that was a real shame because they were the last people that could make the the traditional coin mats in the UK. And we didn't really want to see a traditional craft or trade actually die. Because historically, personally, for myself and Sam, especially for those traditional mats, there's quite a, a historical family link with the manufacturing of that, that we didn't want to lose. If you wind back in our history, way before making entrance, my father, Alan, he used to be a factory manager for the Royal School for the Blind. It was a a blind workshop, in fact, four blind workshops down in London, and they employed partially sighted and blind people in their workshops to make these traditional mats. That was through the 60s, 70s, 80s and 90s. And my dad was a factory manager in the 1990s. Their business model was the wages were part paid by the government and part paid by the charities. And they'd make these traditional maps as a commercial enterprise. And that worked wonderfully for decades. And it meant that for disabled people, they didn't have to sit at home on benefits. But it's their self-worth and their self-confidence isn't really helped by just being at home, really not doing a great deal and just going from day to day. 
they were actually able to go into workshops, have a self-confidence, have a self-worth about themselves. And it was fantastic. There was a great spirit. And it was a commercial enterprise. They could go into work every day. They earned a salary. They were paying tax. It was a, a real win-win. But the issue with that in the 1990s is there was a change of government in the late 1990s. They introduced a policy called care in the community, where they would put money, more money into local communities through councils to help disabled people. But one of the ways of funding that was to actually pull the funding from the blind workshops, of which it wasn't just a four that my dad used to run, the Royal School for the Blind. There were workshops in, in Liverpool, in Glasgow, but the business model just collapsed because that funding was taken away by the government. So all those workshops closed overnight, which was tragic at the time, but, you know, it, it, it just happened. But that was consigned to history. After that, there was really only one small workshop of able-bodied people that you were able to make it. So wind that forward to when we were doing Make an Entrance and wind it forward to 2018 when we thought this historical product that's been made in the same way for hundreds of years was going to disappear. Right. We thought to ourselves, well, we don't really want it to disappear. We think there's a great future for it. But the only way of us protecting that would be to start manufacturing it ourselves. And then the only way to protect ourselves from those companies, other companies that were uh, may stop uh, drop shipping our other products, was to manufacture it ourselves. And that equaled us becoming a manufacturer. But you're quite right what you say. It's a, it's, a, it's a big leap from being an online company to being manufacturing. You look at the companies out there that have been traditional manufacturers in the past. Dyson being an, uh, an ideal example. I mean, their products have been moved for manufacturing overseas and they essentially just a sales and marketing company down in the UK, in the UK now. So it's an exa- and there's plenty of examples of that actually happening and manufacturing is tough in the UK. So to go from being an online company, whereas a business model, you really don't really have much working capital in there. It simply is money in, money out to a manufacturer where you have this thing called stock. You have this thing called a working capital. You have a stock asset. You have to put money into buying the stock. We had no idea about that. Our raw material came from overseas because it's a it's a waste material from coconuts. Coconut that's coconut fiber that comes from Sri Lanka and India. We had no idea about about that either. Huge learning curve then. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we didn't know where the raw material comes from. We had to actually fly to India and get off a plane and then find a company out there that would start manufacturing the specific material we need for the traditional mats. We then thought had to work out how to do container shipping, to get it onto a container and bring it in. No knowledge about that at all. We had no knowledge of um, when we when we bring things into the UK, which is, for example, is other products we get from Europe, raw materials from Europe, which we bring in, they come on pallets. We opened up our first workshop in Lincoln. We were all very proud of it. Our first three pallets came in from Holland, opened up a curtain side of vehicle with the pallets actually on it. Each pallet has got 480 kilo rolls of PVC backed coir matting, like carpet rolls. And we say, that's wonderful. And we say to the lorry driver, right, can you get them off for us? And he goes, no, 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 no. It doesn't work like that. You need to have a forklift truck to get them off. <laughs> we said, you what? Forklift truck? We haven't even occurred to us we needed a forklift truck. So there we were with a standoff with the driver, 
And it was only from a friendly company, but uh, three doors down from where our workshop was, that said, do you want to borrow our forklift truck? We'll take it off for you. But that's our, our supreme naivety about manufacturing when we very first started. It completely redefines the term learning curve then, doesn't it? It's, like it's a steep learning curve. You've you've really been in at the uh, at the sharp end from. Oh heavens, Michael, you're exactly correct. If I was going to ask you about all of the challenges that are involved in, in going yeah. from someone who sits by a computer doing it's like oh, online yeah. stuff to being mm. an employer of a workforce and yeah. running a, a manufacturing business, it's it, yeah, it's it's completely different, and I can you know, completely. There is a film in mm. this somewhere of uh, you know making that shift and you know this, i can mm. imagine the scene now lorry pallets it's the mm. space in between where the lorry is and where the pallets need to go and no uh, <laughs> no forklift truck it, it must have been caught michael i have to say and at some points it would be a comedy as well <laughs> it, it, you could some of the things you can make up i mean well it was just such a steep learning curve for us i mean I'll give you another example when you're an online company, health and safety is based around the kettle, how to make a cup of tea and to make sure you don't burn yourself when you're, when you, when you're making a cup mm-hmm. of tea. Health and safety in a workshop where you've got standing knives and blades and everything else around, that's a steep learning curve because you have to know very quickly, especially with rolls of carpet and coir material around, what health and safety actually is. There's no rules behind it. I mean, obviously there are rules behind it. We just didn't know what they were. Everybody expects, and I think it's the same with every small company that's growing, everybody expects when you're at the top, you know, you have all the answers. Somebody can just come to you and say, oh, well, can you tell me what the health and safety regulations are in our workshop? And I just have them off the top of my head. I don't know. And you have to work very, very quickly to know and to find out because it's extremely important in environments like that. Yes. So it is a very steep learning curve. And yeah, there are, there are things which uh, we did right and things we didn't do right. We, we're a family company and everybody that works for us is a, is a member of the team. And there are times we just have to sit down and work problems ourselves and be as trans. We're always transparent of all our staff. And uh, we work through every problem we've had over the last four years to come to come what we are today, which is a, a manufacturer. We've gone from an office five years ago, four or five years ago, a very tiny office of really just four or five employees to a manufacturing site now where we have two workshops. We've got separate offices and container storage enough to fill a football field. And people now come to us to ask us how do we import uh, things from overseas. People now come to us to say how do you actually manufacture? And actually, we're having people in our industry now approach us and saying, because we're a manufacturer, and they're saying, well, actually, we don't really want to be manufacturing this ourselves now. Would you do it, actually do the manufacturing for us because you actually know what you're doing Great stuff. with it? So we've come an awful long way with it. But do you know what? As with any small business and small business owner, do you know what? It's hard work. If- there's no, there's no rule book. You could go into Waterstones and try and look through the bookshelves of there, but let's be honest, you have to learn really, really quickly. You do. You? It's all the same. As one, one of our clients said to me once, if it was, uh, if it was easy, everyone would be doing it, and uh, it's definitely not easy. Yeah, that's true. The family history mm. is of being a, a supportive employer yeah. and having 
people with different disabilities working mm. in a factory. Is mm. that something that you've transferred into the new make and entrance? It is. We actively employ people with uh, mental health or addiction issues within that come into our company. We have a specific program for that. Social responsibility is as important to us as, as anything. And it's reflecting those roots of what my father used to do all those years ago by employing blind and partially sighted people. Now, we don't do that with that particular disability, but we do actually, we're able to have people within our workshops that in particular have got mental health issues, but and in particular, we can keep them in employment. I will have you back onto the independent minds so we can find out more about that in the future as well, because it sounds really interesting. But <laughs> I want to let my listeners know, those great people out there listening to the independent minds, that we were at one of the meetings that the FSB scrutiny body has yeah. and talking about having this conversation now we're having this conversation in october yeah indeed. and we started talking about it in june now i don't normally wait so long to get my guests into this zencaster recording studio <laughs> but you weren't available over the summer no indeed why were you not available over the summer well family's really important to myself and to my wife sam and one of the things is we have a 12, 13-year-old child and we want to spend every holiday and bit of time we actually have valuable time actually with her because it's not long before she's obviously as a dad having a girl, she probably won't want to talk to me and I'll become very embarrassing over the next 12 months. So I want to spend the maximum <laughs> amount of time with her as possible. And we're very aware of us actually doing that. And it's been a long time. Do you think I'll be embarrassing Michael in the future? Do you think? Possibly. You're embarrassing now, Stuart. Everybody. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> and we, we... You set them up, I'll bat them back, as they say. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's right. You set them up. I set them up, you finish it off. This is say. true. Perfect combination. It's absolutely true. We, we, I don't think I'm alone, am I? I don't think you are alone. I can think, I can almost imagine a lot of business owners and managers in, in his larger businesses sort of recoiling in horror at the prospect of taking so long away from the day-to-day -day activities of their business yeah. and also being very envious that you've also mm. done it. And and it's a it's one of those things everybody would want to do. But how did you make it work? How do you make it work? How did we do it? Um, we have, um, to be frank, we have brilliant staff. Now we have brilliant raw talent because we have a young staff. What we've done very worked very hard on over the last two three years is to build up a senior management team under us underneath ourselves that can actually run the company when we're not actually here. So all the, far more than just the basics are, are done, but it's a training exercise. And it's a training in terms of bypassing people's lack of experience because of their age through training and mentoring. And that's really what we've done over the last couple of years. So two years ago, we actually went away for two weeks over the summertime. And we let our operations manager and our accountant just run the company completely without us contacting them for two weeks. We had a discussion before and a discussion when we actually got back about how it went. Then it, until last year, we actually went away for four, five weeks and we did the same. Had a discussion beforehand, had a discussion when we got back. And the whole year period in between, 
we were training them in all the different areas which they needed to know about and really self-confidence on it. So when it came to this year, we could actually go away for a whole eight weeks and there's no problem. The company will just run itself and everybody's happy and everybody is able to do all their jobs really to a very, very high level. And it's because we've built up that senior management team. And that's the important thing. We are a small company, remember. We're, what, 15, 20 employees. So we're not a big company at all. But giving people that opportunity uh, to actually grow themselves and giving them the authority and the self-confidence to be able to run things themselves and not be scared of making mistakes, that's the key one. They know that they can make a mistake. And when we come back, you know, we're not going to be... uh, we're not going to shout or be angry. The genuine mistakes that have been made, we just learn by them. Yes, People don't make mistakes on purpose. So it's it's about that. And that gives us the opportunity and it's to actually go away. And the important thing actually moving forward now, because the growth of a company, there's a huge growth that's going to ha- happen with this company over the next two, three, four, five years. It's important that we have that senior management team doing the day-to-day operational activities because it allows myself and Sam to work on those future plans. Otherwise, we get bogged down. So you're almost removing yourself. Correct. This this desire to go and spend time during school holidays with mm-hmm. your daughter has actually then forced you, in order to, to fulfill that objective, yep. you've had to recruit the right people in the first place yep. and then train them and make yep. sure they understand how to run the business. And then there's accepting that not everything will be perfect, that, that things will go wrong, but mm-hmm. having an attitude that you know things go wrong. If yep. you had been there, the thing might yep. have gone wrong anyway. Yep. And if you're going to not blame them because yep. things just happen, mm. there's also an element of me that thinks like you're not going to beat yourself up either. Yeah, which is going to have a really positive impact on your state of mind and, and mental health because you're running a business without that uh, expectation of I've got to prevent this from happening. I've got to prevent that from happening. You're focusing on yep. making things happen rather than preventing them happening. That's exactly correct. Hey. Yeah, but, but it's exactly correct because it's also, we, we're hugely transparent with everybody in our organization, our whole team. And I think that really helps as well. We have a we, we have a quarterly, what we call a state of the nation. And that's where mm-hmm. we sit down with everybody from the uh, uh, cleaner all the way up to, all the way up the organization. We sit down and we go through what's happened over the last three months. What's our revenue like over the last three months? Everybody in our company knows the difference between revenue, gross and net profitability. We talk all through that, how we're doing. We know what our budgets are. We, and then we explain how we're getting on, uh, how we're going against where we're moving the company to the next two, three, four, five years. So everybody knows in the whole company that. And I think that really helps because everybody then feels part of a team. And we're lucky. I mean, last, I wouldn't say if it's, if it's I don't think it is luck. I think the way we treat everybody with respect and with complete openness is the reason why over the last five years, we've only had one person actually leave to go to another job. It's quite an impressive labour turnover. Everybody else is still with us. 
And that, that person actually went with our complete and utter blessing because he's exceedingly talented and we could not give him the opportunity to which he's destined for in the future within our organisation. So he, he had our blessing. Yeah. I think it's because of our openness, our complete openness. And that's why we're as successful as we are. Everybody's part of family. Everybody's part of a team. Everybody can see the direction we're moving in and everybody's bought into it. Our challenge, of course, is the bigger we grow, we need to just reflect and continue with our with our ethics and continuing that family environment. True. And it sounds as if what you've also enabled yourself to do is you work on your business rather than in your business. Correct. So the business operates because you've recruited and trained really great people to lead the business. If we should rephrase that, you've recruited and trained really great people to manage and lead your business mm-hmm. whilst you are thinking about where it's going to be in three, four, five years' time and what needs to happen. And this transparency with everyone, including the person who left mm-hmm. because you weren't able to offer them an opportunity. This is one of the things that I bang on about all the time. Is like if you have someone whose career aspirations you cannot fulfill, tell them you cannot fulfill them yep. and let them leave to go to where they can do but because you've told them because you've been that transparent that honest with them about what it is you can offer them they won't leave by surprise because you'll be helping them to find the right opportunity yeah and the other side of that 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 transparency as well is that you don't have someone who's working away hoping that their aspirations will be met by you and gradually getting more and more demotivated because they're not being met. You've made a really dramatic change in how Make an Entrance is run from being an online company to being a manufacturer. You've incorporated traditional crafts and keeping those alive. And you've also incorporated the legacy of your father Mm -hmm. in helping people with disabilities to find work that works for them, which is fantastic. Mm -hmm. And then you've also... At the same time, you've built Make an Entrance in a way that also enables you to work in a way that works for you and your family. So it's like, yeah, you're not an embarrassment, Stuart. You're really impressive. I'll say that. I'll only say it (laughs) once. Every time I see you, you say to me, God, you're looking tired. That's why. (laughs) (laughs) Small business is hard. We all know that, don't we? It is hard. It's also fun and we enjoy it and we wouldn't do anything else, would we? Yes, but I think the key thing that I take away from listening to you is that if you're going to run a business, you run the business. The business doesn't run you. And you have to do it in a way that works for you. And that is exactly what you have done. And I think that is well worth celebrating. So, but, you know, I could talk to you for hours more and I know that you could talk to me for hours more. And we usually do, don't we? (laughs) We do. This is true. This is true. But I really do appreciate your time. I know you're very busy. It's great that you found the time to be able to have this conversation with me and the audience for the Independent Minds. And thank you very much for helping me create an interesting episode of the Independent Minds. Thank you. Been a pleasure. Thank you. And thank you to you for listening to The Independent Minds. I am Michael Millward, the Managing Director of Abbasida, and I have been having a conversation with the independent mind, Stuart Bolton, of Make an Entrance. You can find out 
more about both of us at abacida.co.uk, there is a link in the description. If you've liked this edition of The Independent Minds, please give it a like and download it so that you can always listen. To make sure that you don't miss out on future equally interesting episodes of The Independent Minds, please subscribe. Remember, the aim of all the podcasts produced by Abacida is not to tell you what to think, but we do hope to make you think. Thank you.